If you're visiting, my name's Scott. I'm the pastor at Adventure. And today the question I want to answer is, are we winning the battles that matter the most? Uh, Are we winning the battles that matter the most? And uh, we've got lots of battles. I don't know if you heard. Go ahead and start this video. I don't know if you heard about this Australian uh, boar hunter. Uh, in the last month or so ago, go ahead and start the video. This uh, boar hunter was out uh, looking for boar, and his hunting dog was uh, displaced. They were catching up to the hunting dog, and when they found the hunting dog, he found a kangaroo with his hunting dog in a choke position. Have you seen this? It's crazy. A kangaroo has his hunting dog in a choke position. Is this a battle? Is this a? Is this a? I know it's. I think the kangaroo survived. Don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah. Is this a battle that really mattered? You got your dog, right? You got your dog. Uh, it's a little awkward of a situation seeing your dog in a stranglehold. It would make you a little emotional, right? <laughs> right. And uh, you got your dog. Your dog's free. Do you need to size up and go one-on-one with a kangaroo? Let me ask, do you really think you can beat up a kangaroo? Really? I mean, did you think you were on video? Like, people are watching you dance around. Some battles just don't matter, do they? And yet, we dive right on in and think, oh, this matters. Hey, that parking space, that's mine. That matters. That place in line that's mine. That matters. Uh, hey, you're tailgating me. What are you tailgating me for? That's a violation of space. That matters. Uh, hey, you wronged me. <laughs> you, you spoke behind my back. That matters. We can get kind of elevated over things that matter, don't we? And, you know, this, this series we're going to talk about this morning comes from Uh, some of the last words written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, He was in an incredible battle all of his life, all of his his ministry. And uh, he's writing from a Roman prison cell in Rome called Mamertine. You can still go visit it today. He's writing from a cold, dark dungeon, one of his last letters to Timothy at a time when it was chaotic in the Roman Empire. The the Emperor Nero had been pursuing Christians. Uh, The conditions in the empire were uh, violently opposed to Christians. Christians were feeling not just marginalized, not just uh, litigated against. Christians were being persecuted and even killed for their faith during uh, the Emperor Nero's reign, about 64 to 68 AD. And Nero went after Paul and uh, arraigned him, had him imprisoned at uh, Mamertine, and he, Paul, had a pending execution coming. It was a tense time. And at a season like this, Paul is trying to remind Timothy, what are the battles that matter the most? What are the battles that matter the most? Do you ever find yourself distracted by battles that just don't matter? Hey, we know we live in a very viral community where folks are speaking their mind online. We live in a, we live in a global community where it's hard to have a conver- an, an intelligent conversation with someone without it getting emotional. 
uh, without folks getting really sensitive, without folks getting uh, angry, uh, right? And it's not just it's not just you know uh, liberals and conservatives. It's it's everybody's got some a piece of the pie, right? It doesn't even matter what your background is. Folks get emotional. I can get sensitive. Last weekend, Melissa and I were just checking out Adventures Facebook, and I noticed that we had a bad review from someone, and I was feeling kind of introspective, and I thought, well, what's up with this? That's a little, I mean, it's one thing to give us a medium review or a little lower. This was low. This was like, whew, and uh, this was a battle that at that moment I felt like I needed to fight, so I, I looked up. The person, I thought, did I do something to the family or something like that? And I didn't recognize the person. And then I was like, yeah, that just happens. If you're going to be online, you're going to be present. You're going to have to deal with folks that didn't like us. (laughs) I didn't take it as they didn't like adventure. They didn't like me. You know how that is with an eval, with a review. So anyway, so I just let it go. After about two hours, I went to bed. And uh, this was on Sunday night of last week. Sunday night of last week. Some of you are choking up. Can we get tissues for those that are getting? Anyways, so then I I forgot all about it. Totally. Done. Done on Sunday night. Forgot all about it. Yesterday, Melissa and I go out and we do, it was my idea. Let's go to the Gypsy Antique Mart in Lincoln. It's a fun little place to go to. And uh, it's mostly women that are there, no doubt. It was totally packed. 100 people in there. And there were, if I remember correctly, maybe 10 guys in there. And I walked past this guy, and I, I kind of recognized him, so I just kind of smiled, but not, I didn't, I didn't want to like have a long conversation, but just to be thoughtful, I passed him, and then I thought, oh my word, now I know where I recognize that guy. That's the guy that wrote the, the lowly review on me last week. Some battles just don't matter, do they? You just want to let him go. Let him go, right? Let him go. And then I passed him again, and I started thinking, oh. This could be a fun conversation. Maybe I should just start talking to him, you know? Maybe I should just ask him, hey, uh, how's your experience today at the Gypsy Antique Mart? You don't look too happy. What's going on? What kind of review are you going to give them today? You, I'm just being honest with you. But those feelings, right? I know you don't ever have those kind of vindictive feelings, but occasionally Pastor Scott does. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm walking away. So anyways, I said nothing. And, and it's not like if I'd had more time, and there had been an opportunity, I probably would have visited with him without bringing anything up. Anyways, I told my wife last night, I finally brought it up, hey, i got to tell you something, this is kind of weird. That guy we were, he was at the Gypsy Mart yesterday. Are you serious? That's hilarious. It's not that funny, really. <laughs> hey, there are some battles that matter, and other battles that just don't matter. And one of the challenges is to, differentiate the two, the battles that matter from the battles that don't matter. An ability to say no to battles that don't matter is critical. And the ability to know, especially in our very divisive, our very uh, angry, um, our very sensitive, uh, unable to have good conversation on issues culture, it's important to know what battles. Our look is going to be an overview of Some of the final words that come from Jesus' most prolific writer, Paul. We're going to look at some of the final words that come from Paul. And uh, we're going to do an overview of the whole letter, just a couple. And we're going to look at four different settings, four different spaces that help us understand 
this letter. And I want you to see it as I think Timothy received it and as I think it's intended today as a word of encouragement to you personally from God. A personal note of encouragement to you from God. I want you to see it that way. I'm going to try to be overly simple and, uh, and concise, and I hope that you walk away with, wow, I need to make an adjustment on the battles in my life that really matter. Because I'm fighting battles, like, like Scott's Facebook review friend that he saw, that don't matter. <laughs> and so I want to talk to you today about some battles that really matter. If you came this morning with a Bible, I want you to open it today. If you didn't and you brought a phone, I want you to Google Second uh, Timothy chapter 4. If you didn't bring a Bible or a phone, I want you to reach out and slightly steal the one that is next to you. Uh, from your neighbor, just kidding. Uh, and But I want you to see this because there's, and I'll have the words on the screen, but there's some words here that are just significant. The question I, again, want to answer this morning is, are you winning the battles that matter most? And the first battle that Paul lays out to Timothy is the battle that conversation that happens in the locker room. That's the first space here. It's the locker room talk. It's the halftime conversation that Paul has with Timothy. And he's having a battle, a a conversation with Timothy that is challenging Timothy to fight for his calling. Fight for your calling, Timothy. You have a calling. You have a calling on your life. He says this, and this is the first overview of chapter 1. Uh, As our introduction to a five-week series in 2 Timothy, he says this, Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. Timothy, you've got a gift that has been given to you by the Holy Spirit that empowers you to do stuff that that without the Holy Spirit you couldn't do. Fan that gift into flame. Fan it into flame. Now, some of you may say, wait wait a second. Are you saying I have a gift? Let me tell you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has given you a supernatural gift that that is to be designed to be used for the kingdom of God and the body of Christ. A very unique gift. And we talked about those in a series last September called Shape. I encourage you, if you missed it, go back and podcast it. To help you understand your gift of perhaps shepherding or pastoring, your gift of administration, your gift of leadership, your gift of service, your gift of hospitality. I saw it this morning with folks coming early to serve coffee. Your gift of, uh, of generosity. We've seen it at Adventure. Generosity of time, of treasure, of talents. It's a supernatural gift. I overheard this week one pastor in Southern California who kind of slyly talk to his congregation about how they always refer to him as Pastor Dave. Hi, Pastor Dave. Hi, Pastor Dave. And he kind of pushed back on that. And he said, wait a second, you always call me Pastor Dave. Do I call you Council Herb? Do I call you Electrician Joe? Do I call you, you know, Nurse uh, Johnny? Do I call you Professor Stacy? Do I call you, you know, uh, Dr. Melissa? (laughs) And they're like, no. Why do you call me Pastor Dave? And they said, because you're the pastor. And, and 
there's a role that a pastor plays that's that of a shepherd. But the point he's trying to make is we all have a calling. All of us. We all are on the same level here. The only reason I'm up on this 18-inch stage is so you can see me and I can see if you go to sleep. Uh, We are all on the same level here. We all have a calling to follow Jesus Christ, a, a supernatural giftedness to follow Jesus Christ and fulfill that calling. All of us do. And so, uh, not that I don't mind being called pastor, but I'm, we're just all trying to fan into flame the gifts that God's given us and to you those for the body of Christ, all of us. And here's the deal. If you, the closer you move to, to discovering and fulfilling your calling, your supernatural calling, the more happy, the more content, the more joyful you're going to be because you're fulfilling the very purpose for which you were born. You were becoming the very person God intended you to be. And here's the deal. Your, your job is not your calling. <laughs> your calling is that unique role that the Holy Spirit wants you to play in the body of Christ. What is that? How do you do it? How do you do it? How do you, how do you fulfill your calling? Paul says very, uh, very um, specifically to Timothy, hey, remember your grandmother. Remember your mother. Remember the elders. Remember my hands. How do you fulfill your calling? You cultivate relationships. You cultivate relationships with other Christians that are growing in their faith. And I got to tell you, I was approached this week to share that we, over half of our adult congregation, is in small groups midweek right now, cultivate relationships. Huge win for us. It's a huge win. We had over 60 new adults sign up for groups this week relationships is where the where Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, I will be there also. That's where the Holy Spirit speaks to you, and you are encouraged and affirmed like Paul wanted Timothy to be encouraged and affirmed. Fan into flame the gift that was given to you, Timothy. How, how do we, what's a battle that's worth fighting for? A battle that's worth fighting for is this, fighting for your calling. What's my calling? What's God calling me to do and you the way you get there is by cultivating relationships it's in relationships where you'll hear you'll have those crucial conversations that'll help you navigate and get where you need to be this last two weeks ago and with her permission i share one of our ladies came set a special appointment to meet with me midweek and she just said this she said i've been hibernating i'm facing medical challenges i didn't want to be around anybody and uh, it's getting really unhealthy for me I've got to connect with some people. And we immediately made that possible and she's taken a step to be in a group. It's so easy to hibernate in our culture, in our communities. And if you do that, I would argue, if you hibernate, you're going to miss out on your calling. Relationships are the key to getting there. As life gets by, uh, um, has more pressure, as you're more stimulated by uh, bad news, uh, stimulated by your smartphone, by the viral community, by negative and inundated with negative news, the more you need to be out with people. Sometimes I think this whole viral culture is just designed to make you hibernate and isolate, and it's dangerous. You'll miss your calling. Fight for your calling. That's the first battle that is worth fighting for. That's the battle that is that really matters. Your calling that you fulfill it. And I wondered today. Uh, 
if there were going to be folks in services, that God's going to call you to do something totally different than what you've been doing for the last 20, 25 years. You've got, he's going to provide you the resources, and he's going to say, you know what, I want you to go this direction. Or he's going to give you a burden, maybe for a missionary, to just go and support him for a summer. Or he's going to give you a burden for a people group, and you're going to say, you know what, I, I want to go spend some time in, in Cambodia, or I want to go spend an extended stay in India. Or, uh, gosh, I've got a real heart for some of the local kids here in our community at the greenhouse or some of the men at Fishers of Men. I'm just going to set that aside, and I'm, I've got the resources. I'm going to go, and I'm going to serve. You're fulfilling your calling when you do that. That's the first battle. The second battle is that of fighting for your identity, your identity. This is chapter two. This is my chapter two overview. Fighting for your identity is a battle worth fighting for. And we, when we think about our own identity, we can easily be tempted to think about some of the galleries of international icons like Nelson Mandela or <clears throat> like uh, Mother Teresa or Mahatma Gandhi or Dr. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King or this weekend, uh, Lego Batman. I mean, there's a lot of people we can think about uh, from a, a global historical standpoint, a Churchill uh, you know, folks that have had incredible influence and compare ourselves to them. That's unwise. The scripture teaches it's always unwise to compare. And so Paul tries to get Timothy's eyes off these, these kind of untouchable characters. And instead, he puts his eyes, Timothy's eyes, asks Timothy to focus his eyes on common people. And, and common people with uncommon character. And just a few of them he names in chapter 2. He says, if you're going to fight for your identity, you're going to do it in a gallery of common people. You're going to do it in a gallery by trying to model or emulate the kind of character you see in a good soldier. What's a good soldier do? He, he does what his commanding officer tells him to do. You're going to... If you're going to discover your identity, it's going to be in the character of an athlete who follows the rules. We've seen with the World Games, athletes that have been, uh, you know, are, are under scrutiny or have lost medals. Uh, Eric uh, Bolt's uh, teammate uh, caused Eric to lose his medal because he didn't follow the rules. A good athlete that follows the rules. Uh, compare yourself to common people with uncommon character. Uh, when you're looking for your identity, it's going to be in not your job. It's going to be in who you are, the kind of integrity you have all the time. And then he, he describes uh, another, per, another common person, especially in the first century, a common, hardworking farmer. <laughs> if you've ever been around farmers, it, they say it, has, it requires as much discipline as any trade there is because... If something goes wrong, an irrigation pipe goes out, you have to fix it immediately. There's no delay. We'll take care of that, you know, next season. You have to be on it. You have to be very disciplined. Paul's saying to Timothy, Timothy, hey, fight for your identity. And find your identity not in fame, not in notoriety. Find your identity in common people who practice uncommon character. Let me tell you. The measure for success for our children and in our personal lives is not our applause, the applause we get. It's not the awards. It's not the fame. It's not whether or not you're teacher of the year or contributor of the year. You know what it comes down to? Are you the person 
that Christ designed you to be? Are you that person in public like you are in private? Do you have integrity? That's where you're going to discover your identity. Paul says, find your identity in common people with uncommon character. That's where the strength is. And let me just tell you, as a young man, not so much so, but I, I've learned that it's all about character, everything. It's integrity, walking with God, walking with Christ, honoring Him in all the little things. Uh, not picking a little conversation fight with the guy who gives you a Facebook review that you don't like. It's letting things go. The battle that matters most is fighting for your identity that is nestled in integrity. Third battle in chapter 3, the third battle that matters a lot is fighting for the truth. Fighting for the truth. I'm going to read the first few verses of chapter 3 and you'll see how Paul prophesied culture was going to continue to erode. He says this, Mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be, if you have your book, Bible book open, you can read this with me. People will be lovers of themselves. What will they love? They'll love themselves. They will be lovers of themselves. They will be lovers of money. (laughs) Boastful, proud, abusive. They'll be what? Abusive. Disobedient to their parents. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Ungrateful, unholy, without love. (laughs) Without what? Without love. Unforgiving, slanderous. (laughs) Slanderous. What will they be? They'll be slanderous without (laughs) self-control. Without what? Self-control. No ability to control this. No ability. In fact, it will be, it's a prize if you just speak what's ever on your mind, just without any thought. And then Paul says, and all these characteristics will be brought to you by Facebook, which is coming in a few millennia. Do you see that there? Did you see that? All this is coming on Facebook. You'll be able to go online there in verse 4. You've got to look really carefully to see it there. Some battles aren't worth fighting for. Some really matter. What battles matter most? Well, the first is fight for your calling. You don't want to accomplish all your financial and personal goals and get to your life and realize, I didn't fulfill my calling. I've got this empty spot because I got all this done, but there's there's no kingdom calling that I accomplished. I'm waiting on on all this other stuff to line up, but I've not fulfilled my kingdom calling. You want to fight for your identity. You don't want to find your identity in the applause of men. You don't want to find your identity in waiting for that big uh, reorganization or that big promotion. You want to find your identity in... Yes, hang in there. (laughs) You want to find your identity in uncommon character. That you model like a hardworking farmer, like, a, like a, an athlete who plays by the rules, like a good soldier. And then thirdly, a battle worth fighting for is fighting for the truth. How do we fight for the truth? Especially in a culture like the one we live in, oh, where there is no truth. In fact, if you want to suggest there is truth, 
you're not going to have any friends. You want to suggest there is right and wrong? Uh, that's not going to work here. Uh-uh. <laughs> and uh, don't misunderstand. I hope, you, I hope you've gathered from my teaching style is I'm not one to be intentionally um, mean or bigoted or disrespectful. I want to make certain that what we share is seasoned with salt, that it's gracious, but I, I don't want to veer from the truth. I fear God. I fear God more than I do men. I want to teach what the truth says. Paul tells Timothy the key to fighting for the truth. He says this, it's in verse 15. He says, from infancy, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. From those years when he was a young boy being raised by his mother and grandfather, rather his mother and his grandmother, he was exposed to the scriptures. And Paul's telling him, you stay in God's classroom. You stay in God's classroom. God's classroom is the place where you continue to grow in your scriptures. Stay in there. Don't veer. Don't leave. And it's easy for us to leave God's classroom for several reasons. Well, sometimes we reason, oh, this book that that we're reading this morning, this is this has been translated down now by three millennia. There's no way that what we're sharing today is actually what Moses and Samuel and Isaiah and Jesus and his disciples all meant for us to have today, is it? This 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 topic of the reliability of the Bible, it's well treated in Joshua McDowell's Evidence That Demands a Verdict. It's a great read. The first few chapters deal with the reliability of the Bible as being translated down through the millennia. And the bottom line is that when you compare the reliability of the New Testament and Old Testament with classical Greek literature, it's a joke. There's no comparison. The number of copies we have and their proximity to the original uh, copy of the original author, it, it's astounding how much more reliable the Bible is than any other classical piece of literature. And I draw your attention to Joshua McDowell's Evidence That Demands, Demands a Verdict, Volume 1. Excellent read. Uh, will really help fortify your faith. Why do we want to stay in the classroom? Why do we want to fight for the truth? Here's why. If we don't fight for the truth, our culture is headed toward being a culture that's without God, without any right or wrong, where people just continue to do what is right in their own eyes. Just like they did in the time of Judges. They just do what's right in their own eyes. And if it's right for them, it's right. And so we got to fight for the truth. we got to fight for the truth in our family. Gently, we got to fight for the truth in our family. One of my favorite communicators, Andy Stanley, <laughs> talked about the the real fragility of decisions that young people are making in their early, early 20s, college students especially. And he was dating his wife, and she had a modeling career that was taking off. And uh, she was asked, uh, Andy Stanley's uh, girlfriend was asked to model a costume that was a little provocative. And she said, I won't wear that. And the contract, I won't do that. She had a boundary. And Andy reasoned, he said, I'll, I like her, I'll marry her. Because she fears God more than she does men. 
That's what it means to fight for the truth. Is that you, you, you don't care what others think. You're not, you're not mean. You're not judgmental. But you fear the judge. And so you do what's right. Because you want to honor him. Fight for the truth. How do you do that? You, do, you have an opportunity to do that every day. We challenge you in January to set aside the first 15 minutes of every day. Have five minutes of worship that you listen to. Five minutes of, of giving thanks. Maybe in a journal entry. And five minutes of just focusing on some scripture. Fight for the truth in your life. Fight for the truth right here. Make certain the truth is there. If you do, what, I, what I've discovered is when I fight for the things God wants me to fight for, He takes care of the other battles I'm worried about. Let me say that again. When I fight for the battles that I think really matter to God, I discover that He fights for those other things that tend to worry me. And this is all based upon Jesus' teaching, seek you first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided unto you. <laughs> fight for the truth. Lastly, Fight until the end. Fight until the end. Fight until the end. Do you know that airports are some of the happiest places on earth and some of the saddest places on earth? Paul is at the departure gate of his runway, of his airport in Rome. He's feeling very solemn, very nostalgic. He says stuff, kind of sensitive, sappy type stuff to Timothy. He says, Timothy, um, would you come quickly? Timothy's 1,200 miles away, by the way. This is pre-Southwest Airlines. Uh, could you come quickly? He says, Timothy, bring my parchments. My, I, need to, I want to reread and think on everything I've been teaching. Bring my parchments. And then he says, Timothy, bring my jacket, my cloak. It's cold here. You know, when you give your final words, those words really matter. When you give your final words, those words really matter. And Paul's giving words to Timothy that really matter. That's what, hap- that's what happens at an airport uh, at a departure. You say those last few words. I say to my mother and father-in-law when they leave, hey, anything I need to know? Anything you want to tell me? <laughs> what do I need to... You got any word for me? Usually they do. <laughs> Paul's giving his final words. He's trying to fight the battle that matters, and that is ending well. How do you fight... To the end, well, here's how you do it. You preach the word. You share the word of God. Look at what he tells Timothy. Timothy's a timid young leader who easily abdicates his leadership role. He's struggling. It's tough. And he says this to Timothy in chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke. And encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Preach the word, Timothy. Preach the word. Preach the word. How do you fight to end well in all that you do? I'll tell you. You speak the word of God to those whom you love. You speak the word of God to those with grace and while seasoned with salt to those that are without hope. You speak the words of God when given the opportunity, prompted by the Holy Spirit, that could, that could result in the salvation of their souls. That's a battle that really matters. That's a battle that really counts. 
Rick Warren shared just very recently, Rick Warren's the pastor at Saddleback Church down in Southern California. He shared very recently that his uh, dad in the last two years passed away and he fought cancer for two years. And uh, on the last week of his life, he and his wife Kay and their niece, Alicia, were all with their dad. His name's Jimmy. And the last night on a Thursday night before Jimmy passed, uh, Jimmy kept getting out of bed, and the family's like, hey, Jimmy, you need to stay in bed. What do you keep getting out of bed for? And he said, uh, I need to tell someone else about Jesus, one more person for Jesus. I need to reach one more person for Jesus. I've got to tell someone else about Jesus, one more person for Jesus. Rick Warren said he said it a hundred times on that Thursday night. Fighting to the end means loving people in our family and loving people amongst our coworkers and our friends and our neighbors to do whatever we can to make certain they know about Jesus and that Jesus knows who they are. What are the battles that matter? What are the battles that matter? The battles that matter are that we fight for our calling. The battles that matter are that we fight for our identity that's embedded in uncommon character, not applause or fame. What are the battles that matter? The battle that matters is fighting until the end. The battle that matters is fighting for the truth. These are battles that we'll be talking about in the next month. I just wonder if there's one person here that's not aware that Jesus Christ did whatever he could to fight for you. He left it all. They say that everyone has a hill that they're willing to die on. Jesus was willing to die on the hill to pay the price to have a relationship with you. He gave it all up to have a relationship with you. Are you without having accepting, accepting, accepted what he's done for you when he gave his life on that cross as a substitutionary death? If that describes you, I want to give you a chance today to get it right with him. But maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm inundated with thinking about the battles of bad news. All I think about is my, you know, what's going on in the global community, I'm upset. And I've stopped valuing battles that really matter, like identity, calling, truth, and preaching the word. Does that describe any of you guys? Let's, let's take a moment and uh, just listen to God right now for a moment. If you're here today and uh, you've just kind of sensed the Spirit tell you, hey, there's battles that uh, you think that matter, and they don't matter at all. There's stuff that you think that, that really matters, and it doesn't compared to your calling, your identity, the truth, and speaking the word. If that has spoken to you today, would you just raise your hand? I just want to know that today's message resonated with you, that there are battles that you think matter, and they don't. And put your hand down. If you're here and you're, you need to fight the battle to discover your calling, raise your hand. I want to see it. If that's you, great. Several of you. Who's here and saying, no, I need to discover my identity in character, not comparison and not in, uh, in looking for applause or achievement. I need it in common, uncommon character. Raise your hand if that's the, 
that identity fights for you. Raise your hand if today you're saying, hey, no, I need to fight for the truth. I've just kind of just given in to what everyone else says is got to be right and wrong. If that's you, raise your hand. You need to fight for the truth. And if you're here today and you've said, you know what, there's some folks that I need to share some crucial words with. I need to fight to the end and share the truth with them. Like Paul did, Timothy, preach the word. I need to speak the word to some people. Raise your hand if that's you. Okay, several of you. Lord, we want to fight the battles that matter most. And uh, we want to ensure that we're not wasting our time. If you're here today and you've never made a decision to accept Jesus Christ, fight for your soul. And you're ready to today. He gave his life as a substitutionary death on a cross to pay the penalty for all of our shortcomings. If that describes you today and you want to have a relationship with him today, begin for the first time today. I want to ask you to just raise your hand from where you're seated and let us celebrate your decision. Anyone say today yes to Christ? Raise your hand high so I can see it. Anyone? Heavenly Father, thank you for a battle that really matters. Help us. Help us ensure those are the battles that we're fighting. In Jesus' name, amen.